You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And welcome to First Bite, our Pride of Detroit preview podcast for the upcoming Detroit Lions week four game against the Saints. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the managing editor of prideofdetroit.com. With me, as always, for the preview podcast is our good friend, managing, I was going to say managing editor, just just head editor. Is that what we're going with? Um, I I prefer senior editor, Jeremy, but if if you're going to give me the reins to the whole website, I was going to be pretty excited because we're going to go right back to Pets of Detroit. (laughs) There we go. Speaking of which, my dog is squeaking, so hopefully that doesn't pick up on the mic too much. Uh, But you can follow Ryan at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Uh, with us, as always, uh, we, we like to bring in a guest from uh, the opposite side of the field. So this week we tapped over to the Saints. We went over to our good friends at Canal Street Chronicles and got Maddie Hudak, who uh, writes for Canal Street Chronicles and SB Nation. You can find her at Maddie Hudak underscore 94. Maddie, thanks for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm I'm very excited about this matchup. Um, I know it's a, it's a battle of one and two teams, but I think both teams are ex- expected to be a little bit better at this point in the season. And maybe there are a little bit better than their record suggests. You know, the Lions are certainly just one play away from being two and one. The Saints have had kind of a brutal schedule. So um, maybe things will lighten up once they start playing some easier teams. Uh, but let, let's start with you, Maddie, and talk about the Lions offseason or the Saints offseason a little bit. Um, kind of a, a muted offseason a little bit. Not a ton of moves. Obviously, this team coming off a 13 and three season, not a ton of moves necessarily. Um, need to make to be made, you know, aside of from their, you know, their wild card exit. I don't want to bring up some bad memories, but um, <laughs> <laughs> tell tell me your overall thoughts about the offseason. Maybe some big moves that they made, maybe some underrated moves they made, or maybe you thought they, they should have made more moves. So I kind of had the same thought that it was relatively muted, which I expected. Um, despite our gameplay showing otherwise, uh, we do have a pretty stacked veteran roster. Uh, pretty continuous for the last few seasons. Uh, so they were kind of just focused on those key holes everywhere. Um, originally, I was pretty, as was most people, uh, surprised when we drafted Cesar Ruiz. Definitely wasn't on any of the mock drafts. It was all Patrick Queen and some people wanting Jordan Love. Uh, and, and I frank, I didn't even know who they were talking about for the first two seconds. So I'm just not a huge college person. Uh, but pretty quickly, it made a lot of sense. Just like Eric McCoy last year was kind of the same initial reaction, but we lost Max Unger pretty abruptly. And, uh, you know, our O-line, uh, you didn't want to bring up the Vikings game, but I'll go ahead and bring it up. <laughs> our O-line was a disaster. Drew is super rushed, and he's not Lamar Jackson. He runs more like Peyton Manning. So he just does not 
have that luxury and he's short. So he needs a little bit of time and time was just not of the essence when we had last year's lineup. Uh, so, you know, I, I was pretty happy with that. Uh, and I, I don't mean to speak ill of the injured, but I'm a little excited that Ruiz is going to get more involved now that we lost Andres Pete. He was a lot to blame for a lot of the plays this season. Um, and then the rest of our draft, you know, it was about a bunch of kind of third and fourth rounders. They haven't really shown much of Zach Bond or Adam Trotman. Uh, but I, I just don't think this draft was relatively important to us. Um, just kind of besides getting those, you know, strong, efficient players. I was excited about the Emmanuel Sanders signing, mainly because I was really irate when we didn't sign him last year. Um, so much so that I kind of looked up like what the Niners gave up for him. Um, and, you know, they gave a third and a fourth round for him. And after that, they had a first round, two fifths, a sixth and two sevenths. And one of the fifths was from the trade uh, for Sanders. And if we had taken him, we would have had a first two fifths and a sixth. So I was like, you're telling me that Emmanuel Sanders is not worth two seventh round picks? Because that would have literally been what the difference was. And then he just rubbed salt in the wound when he threw a touchdown against us last year. <laughs> uh, so I was happy about that. I don't understand Peyton's approach to wide receivers past Michael Thomas ever. I never liked Ted Jinn. Uh, Traquan, he's done better this season, but... It just, that just doesn't do it for me. Um, I, and I, there's been a lot of criticism of Sanders so far, but he kind of reminds me of Jared Cook last season where it took him a little while to get going. And, you know, he was kind of starting to click mm -hmm. last game until Taysom Hill kind of, you know, ruined the game for us. Uh, but it took Cook almost a half a season in order to get gelled with the offense. It's, you know, somewhat surprising because they're both veterans. You'd think of all people, they'd kind of get it together. Um but it just kind of goes to show how complex the New Orleans offense is and why, you know, drafting a rookie uh, receiver out of LSU or whatever that some people wanted might have not been the best move because there was just no way that they're going to kind of get that together. Uh, so that was kind of my favorite offseason move. I liked Malcolm Jenkins for the nostalgia purposes, <laughs> just, you know, the Super Bowl throwback. Sure. Uh, and I think that there needs to be somewhat of a veteran presence in our safety group. Uh, you know, the Minnesota miracle kind of sums that one up. But, you know, I, I thought we had a good offseason. There was a lot of offseason buzz. Um, you know, probably our best move was re-signing Alvin Kamara at this point because it's been the New Orleans Kamaras thus far this season. <laughs> yeah, and we'll, we'll definitely get that uh, in a little bit. Um, before, before we move on to what's happened this season, I do want to talk about the quarterback situation, the backup quarterback situation. Um, Besides Taysom Hill, and I don't even know if he's considered a quarterback at this point, um, you guys decided to move on from Bridgewater and, and get James Winston. Um, what, what were your thoughts on that move? Was it just kind of a matter of Bridgewater priced himself out with how well he played last year? So I think Bridgewater earned it. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't super excited. You know, no one's excited when your number one player on your team goes down in week two. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think he had a really rough go in Minnesota and kind of just deserved a starting role. And you can't really have a better interview for a starting position than what he did with 5-0 last season. Um, and, I, and I don't think that he was going to be the quarterback of the Saints' future. Um, so I, I was really nonplussed by that. It's pretty much the same reaction to Jameis Winston. I don't think our future quarterback's in the room. Um, I just don't see Peyton having the patience to put up with five interceptions in a game. 
And, you know, I, I know Brady's had some interceptions this season and that's been a joke. And, you know, he had LASIK eye surgery in the off season, but there's only so much poor decision-making you can excuse away. And I, I just don't see Peyton having the patience for that. But as a QB two, three, whatever is happening at this point, I think it's, you know, the best we could have done for dirt cheap, basically. Yeah. Uh, so I, I don't think anyone knows what's going on in the quarterback room. Uh, Taysom Hill, I think it's pretty telling. He hasn't been used as much on special teams and he hasn't lined up as a tight end or anything that much this season. They've kind of just Steve Younged him in the back, but it, it, that, that's not really working either. So I, I, I'm team, we're going to draft someone or make a trade. I just don't see it for either of them. But in terms of this season, I think that that's, you know, pretty a plus for a quarterback room. Yeah. And with, with all that being said, the saints are sitting here at one and two Maddie, and they come off that opening season win against, you know, the aforementioned Brady and, and his Buccaneers. And they seem to be everybody's darling in the off season. And then, you know, the saints suffer back-to-back losses first to the Raiders, then to the green Bay Packers. And you look at, Drew Brees' stat line, I mean, the guy is, uh, you know, 70% completion percentage, six touchdowns to just one interception. But there's so much talk about, you know, is is he kind of washed at this point? Do they need to go in a different direction? Is Drew Brees the problem in New Orleans? What's been what's been the the telling factor of their one and two start? The one and two start to me is is elsewhere from Drew. Uh, it, it would be the the defense. So I'll get into that, but uh, you know it, it doesn't help that Breeze is definitely not played like he usually does. Um, not not excusing any of this, but I just kind of think Drew is so specific with his routines and his preparation, and I can just see this whole muddled off season just like not working for him whatsoever. I think the biggest issue, I, I don't think that he's washed up at this point. Um, you know, that happened with Peyton Manning pretty quickly, but I think his neck injury had a lot to do with that. I I don't think that Drew trusts any of his receivers right now. It really goes to show you the value of Michael Thomas, especially when you consider that when Breeze went down last season, Teddy Bridgewater and Thomas basically went off without a hitch. But now that we've lost the other half of that equation, you know, it's not an exact causal, you know, link between the two, but when a lot of people kind of looked back at that Raiders game, which was surprising and unsurprising, we always tend to play down to teams and it comes back to bite us. We almost lost to the Cleveland Browns, if not for Zane Gonzalez last year. Um, but a lot of those plays where it looked like flat out misses, the receivers just stopped running their routes. Like the Josh Hill one in particular, he just stopped in the middle of the field. And I think a lot of Drew's, you know, accuracy it's kind of best on display when it doesn't look like any receiver is open and suddenly he throws right to that sweet spot. A lot of that has to do with the ball getting dropped where the receiver is supposed to be. And when he trusts his receivers and throws that before they're in the spot, then that's when everyone's like, Oh my gosh, he's so accurate. How does he make these throws? But when you have receivers stopping halfway through the route and, and breeze is expecting them to be somewhere else. I just think that he is not confident in his receiving corp right now. And, you know, I, I, I was a psychology major in college. We learned a lot about sports psychology and not to get all wombo on this, but once you start kind of playing bad and not clicking, and then there's all this buzz that you're not accurate, not efficient anymore. Wouldn't surprise me if he's kind of in his own head at this point. 
And I think he started to play a little better last week. And that was really when he started connecting with Sanders. I just think that I really hope Thomas is back this week. I know that he's going to try his damnedest to try to get back on the field. But I think if Drew can just kind of click with one receiver, he'll be more comfortable spreading the ball out. But he's just been holding on to it way too long and kind of unwilling to pull the trigger. And I don't think that's an athleticism thing. I think it's more of a mental thing at this point more than anything else. Well, you kind of mentioned it before. Let's dive into it. Let's talk about the Saints defense. Um, Specifically, I I kind of want to talk about that Raiders game um, because while I I think anyone would forgive them losing that Packers game, Packers offense looks pretty darn good right now. I think the the Raiders game was a bit of a surprise and and they hung 34 on the Saints in that game and pretty much controlled the entire second half there. So what's going on on that side of the ball with the Saints? Why why are they struggling? Because they, they really made some big strides on defense last year, it seemed like. He ran 34 points up with a third line, a third string O-line at that. Um, And the 129 penalty yards have a lot to do with it. That's literally (laughs) more than a football field. So (laughs) the DPI calls are just, the the defense is just playing sloppy. I don't know. And that was kind of like a a positive in the first game when we won against the Bucs. We made really good defensive stops. And all of a sudden, it's like we reverted back to when Rob Ryan was the defensive coordinator. They overblitzed in the Raiders game, and they figured that out pretty quickly. And Carr just got rid of the ball pretty early. And we just don't have anyone on our team that can cover a, a behemoth tight end. So Darren Waller was just having a field day with our defense. But it's on, you know, kind of all levels. Our pass rush is pretty non-existent. Cam Jordan has been basically, I don't know if someone abducted him because I, I literally haven't seen him the past two games. I mean, he's been double teams, but Davenport, which is another like eh, kind of Saints player that everyone, it, he's a buzz player to say the least. He's always injured. We gave up a lot to draft him, but without his presence, we just can't really get any pressure on the quarterback. And, and so when you can't pressure the quarterback and they're, you know, hanging out back there and then our safeties can't cover the tight ends and our secondary, Marshawn Lattimore has like an ego issue, in my opinion, where if he's not covering an Amari Cooper or a Mike Evans, he just decides, oh, I don't need to show up today. Hmm. And, and then it just plays really badly. I think Janoris Jenkins has outplayed him in spades, even though he's had a couple calls on him. It's just, I, I wish I had a better answer. I just think it's sloppy, undisciplined play, and just the penalty yards are just killing us. And, you know, there's been a couple, you know, most of our penalties last year were on the O-line, a lot of them on McCoy because he was in rookie center, and that kind of stalled the offense a lot last year. But these penalties on the defense are just quite literally giving up so much field. And then that ends up that they're on the field forever, and then they're all exhausted, and it just – Floppy is all I have to say. And they need to go through some type of hazing ritual or something to get it together because I just, <laughs> with all the talent, it's, it's maddening. You know, you have Norris Jenkins, yeah. you have Malcolm Jenkins, you have Cam Jordan, you have Lattimore. It's just, it's really I, I, embarrassing, to say the least. Well, Maddie, you mentioned some names that popped up on the Saints injury report this week. So, um, I mean, just to run through some some big names, I mean, tight end Jared Cook, groin, no practice. 
Janoris Jenkins, the aforementioned illness, no practice. Um, Marshawn Lattimore limited with a hamstring and Lions fans, Lions fans know everything about hamstring injuries these days. And of course um, the big one is Michael Thomas and whether or not he'll be able to go. If, if you could get any of those guys back this week, minus Michael Thomas, because he seems to be like the straw that stirs the drink on offense. Like which guy would you need out there for the saints to feel comfortable about their defense? Janoris Jenkins. That, that's uh, not super surprising because, I mean, his PFF grade bears out that he is one of, like, the top corners so far this year. Yeah, and P.J. Williams is just not going to cut it. And Stafford, so I've been worried about this game. Right when the schedule came out, I was like, you know, we might lose to the Packers. It'll be the least surprising. I expected to probably be going into this 2-1. and one. And this was my first expected loss of the season, if not the Packers game. You guys just have our card. Like, we beat you last time, but you guys beat us the last three times. And, and Stafford is just, I, I think he's extremely underrated. Um, and if we lose Jenkins, the way that Lattimore has been playing recently, I, I just don't see P.J. Williams being able to pick up the slack. I, I think that Jenkins has been the leader of the secondary at this point. And, uh, you know, illness at this point, I, it's probably not COVID because I think they have to say that there's a positive test. Right. But... He could be symptomatic for all I know. Um, I, I guess illness unspecified is probably the best, you know, most optimistic person to play on Sunday. Um, I, I, like in my opinion, unless it's COVID, you know, if he's injured and it's you know Wednesday, give him a day off. But if he can't play on on Sunday, I, I don't think that we have a shot. To be honest, really. What about what about Jared Cook? How how big of an impact has he had so far this year? And and you know, do do you have any I, sense of how serious his injury is? I know he didn't finish the game last week. Uh, see the play where he went down. I probably had my head under my scarf like usual. Um, <laughs> but I, I think I, I like Jared Cook. I, I think when he's on, he's on. <clears throat> like the Forty ers game last year, he was just electric yeah. uh, until he went out. Um, I like Adam Trotman a lot, to be honest. So I think if Jared Cook is out, there is a feasible replacement for him. I don't think he's met his potential at this point either. And I just think, you know, less criticism of him as more of the offense as a whole. But to me, he's less critical to the overall success of the game, specifically because there is some sort of replacement for him in Trotman. Um, I'd certainly be better if he could play, especially if Thomas is out, just because you need to be able to spread out the double teaming on people. But uh, he's been so-so this year, but but so is everyone else. So Fair enough. Uh, Really quick, before we head to our first break, let's kind of recap what the Lions injury report is. Um, Basically, Wednesday's practice, the only guy who missed it was C.J. Moore. Good news for Detroit is that Desmond Trufant is continuing to practice. It looks like he's trending towards playing in this game, which might mean something interesting for Jeff Okuda. Maybe he plays, maybe he's benched, um, considering his struggles through two weeks. Deshaun Hand popped up on the injury report. He has dealing with a chest injury. He's limited, though, so um, could potentially play this week. And then the only other guy on the injury report is Hunter Bryant, who is an undrafted rookie tight end, hasn't played yet. Um, Even if he is active in this game, you can't imagine he'll play a big role. So the line's actually coming into this game fairly healthy, which is a nice change of pace. Sorry sorry that it had to come against your team, Maddie. Whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on. Calvin's hurt? (laughs) Yes. Calvin, (laughs) I don't remember what the J stands for. 
Calvin yes. Johnson Moore. It's that not is- Calvin Johnson Moore. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we're going to get into the breakdown of this matchup. We're going to talk about how the Lions can maybe defend against one Alvin Kamara, if that's even possible. We'll see how this Saints struggling offense will match up against some of the Lions receivers and things like that. So stick around on First Bite. We will be right back. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we are back with First Bite, our preview podcast for Week 4 Lions Saints with Maddie Hudak. Thank you again for joining us. Let's get into the matchups here. Where do we want to start? Let's, you know, let's start with Alvin Kamara because... As you said, it, it's kind of been the New Orleans Camaras for the first three games that he's responsible, I think, for six of the team's nine offensive touchdowns, a billion yards, a billion receiving and rushing yards. So, Maddie, is there is there any blueprint to stopping this guy or do you just kind of like if you can tackle him, then then maybe you're going to be OK? I don't even know because I I will never get over that picture from the Seattle Seahawks game where this guy was like ripping his jersey off trying to get him to stop his balance. I I don't know if you guys have ever seen his like offseason workout videos where he's like standing on a medicine ball and he's getting thrown like three sided colored things at him by this guy and has to catch. Unbelievable. (laughs) Um, You could really tell like he's had as many touchdowns this season as he did last season. And and my dad and I were arguing about whether he was injured last year. And I was very convinced. I'm like, he he just went from being totally elusive to getting knocked over after two yards. And so once he heard that his knee and his ankle were all messed up and then to see what he's been doing this season, I just think he's on fire. Um, I think that your guys's best bet is if you see him lined up for a screenplay blitz drew and just try to get him to get a sack. Cause I think if Alvin Kamara has the ball in his hands, it's just, you know, maybe luck if you can manage to get him to stop, but it doesn't even look like he's running that fast half the time. Uh, Eric McCoy actually outran him on his touchdown run last week. It just seems like he's jogging and I, I, it's nothing like I've ever seen before. So I, I think if you guys can contain him, then that's the game because that's basically our game. Well, if the, uh, 
if the aforementioned Michael Thomas makes an appearance, though, that's obviously going to change things up because, I mean, I know that he only had, what, three catches, I think, for 17 yards in the first game against Tampa Bay. Obviously didn't play in the last two games, but, I mean, just how big of a difference is he going to make in the Saints offense, and do you think that um, the Lions have any chance of stopping a two-headed monster in Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara? Well, yeah, so that's the thing is that when Thomas and Kamara are out there together, they just don't know what to do because Kamara is also such a good receiver that he he can be lined up at the same time as Thomas and you just don't really know what to do. Um, I think if he doesn't make a difference, then that's our season and we have no hope. Um, But like I was saying before, where it was really obvious when Breeze went down and Bridgewater just connected with Thomas like it was nothing, I I just think having old reliable out there for Drew – He'll, even if Thomas is triple covered, Drew will throw to him anyways. And he hasn't been throwing to singular covered receivers this season. And and so if nothing else, I just think getting Drew to actually pull the trigger on the ball will kind of just allow him to kind of get back into the rhythm of the game and start throwing to other people. Uh, But he, his absence has just been painfully apparent. And like I said, I think that, Bree's confidence overall just diminished without him out there. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't trust anyone to kind of run those shorter routes and, you know, the whole deep ball threat thing that everyone's yelling about. Well, the thing is Thomas doesn't run those routes. Um, I don't think Drew can't throw them. I, I saw a good quote from him where someone asked about, you know, the deep ball. He's like, it's not my job to, you know, it's not his job basically to be everyone's fantasy team winner. It's his job to make good decisions and win games. And if those decisions are just boring 10-yard slants to Michael Thomas, then they are what they are. But I think if you have Thomas and Kamara out there, you can't triple cover both of them. So I, I just think his presence in general will just help a lot, hopefully. Well, you, you answered my, my, my next question with the whole <laughs> deep ball thing. I, I know that's probably got to be one of the more annoying things that, that you hear as a Saints fan. We, I'm, I'm sure... Lions fan have their own version of something like that. And the Lions really haven't had a lot of deep ball success either uh, until Kenny Galladay came back last week. So um, maybe you see something similar with that. Maybe it's not even just about having Michael Thomas out there, but maybe him being out there opens up opportunities for, for Emmanuel Sanders or something like that. Um, Yeah. Sorry. If you, if you got more on that, go ahead. I was going to say Sanders is just not a good wide receiver one. He plays yeah. way better in the two and, and slot position. So just that alone, having Sanders actually in a position that he is better at, I just think will be better as well. Sure. All right. Let's, let's move over to the defense. Um, let's, I'm going to sl- kind of slip our order up again here. And you, you kind of mentioned it before. Tight ends have been a huge problem for this team. And um, the Lions just so happen to have um, maybe even two tight ends. We, we just found out that Jesse James is a, still does exist last week. He, he caught three passes, but obviously TJ Hawkinson is, is the feature mm-hmm. here. Um, Hawkinson's coming off, you know, three pretty steady performance, about 50 yards in each game. Um, is there any hope for the Saints to stop them? And is this, is this a long running problem or is this just first three weeks of the season kind of thing? And now I'm trying to think back. Um, I, no, our problem has always been quick receivers, really. Yeah. Um, unless I'm totally blanking, but that's that's been like the redheaded stepchild of the Saints' defense this season is just the tight end problem. Uh, and and I like Hawkinson a lot. He was on my fantasy team last year and did wonders for me. Uh, <laughs> we don't have a safety that has the size. To be able to, he, uh, like, Jenkins was covering Waller, and he's just a complete mismatch. 
uh, our linebacker group, you know, I don't, I really don't know what's been going on with us, but the tight ends have been a huge problem and I'm sure that will be their focus. Um, the only thing I can think is if Jenkins is out, you guys probably will attack on the deep ball more because if you have PJ Williams out there, it's just going to be too easy. Uh, but I mean, if we could clean everything else up and still not be able to defend tight ends, that might be one thing, but it, it's, just been more of like an all-around problem. Uh, I, I, I'm going to definitely have to look more into that this week because we just haven't been able to get it together. And then you saw New England just completely take down Waller. And it's like, what, what are we doing that is not working out there? Um, we always tend to be really good at making a tackle right past the first down marker. Uh, and that's just kind of what I see happening this week is just the tight end running out there about 10 yards and just sitting down because that seems to work every single time for them. So this, this to me, the defense needs to start making some turnovers and interceptions because if they can't get their actual gameplay together, they need to just get off the field. It's my take on it. <laughs> well, let's, uh, let's talk about the Lions run game a little bit, um, especially matching up against New Orleans because you mentioned – you know, the, the linebacking core for New Orleans is a little shaky at this point. Um, they, they've only given up over 100 yards to one team so far, and that's the Las Vegas Raiders. And, I mean, only surrendering 98 rush yards to the Packers is um, something that would earn you a gold medal and a shout-out probably in a local paper um, if you're the Detroit Lions defense. Um, <laughs> but that's, that, that wasn't the case at all. When the Lions played the Packers, they threw up over 250 rushing yards on them. So, um can the Saints defense be a can it can it can it be attacked on the ground or is it something where the Lions are really going to have to open up the offense and throw the ball a lot this week? Yeah, yeah, I think that you guys are it's going to be an aerial game on your end, even though Cam Jordan's been relatively absent. It's more been that the issue with our pass rush has just been not pressuring the quarterback more so than not being able to stop the run. Um I think that Demario Davis, he's my favorite free agency signing of the Saints of all time to me. Uh, and I, I hope we might see some of Zach Bond finally, because he was someone, you know, we traded a decent amount, you know, up to get in the draft. And he was kind of seen as a steal, uh, but we just haven't really used him. And I know he's smaller and I think he's more of like a creative kind of use guy. And I just think that there's so many bleeding issues that they haven't had time to kind of deal with him. But I think if we have any saving grace on this team besides Camara, it is our ability to stop the run. And I just think the staff are just going to be salivating at our really bad secondary. And I just don't even see really a point in trying to win this game on the ground for you guys. If I were you, I'd throw it. Well, it's interesting you say that because I would agree with you, but I'm not <laughs> sure that my, the Lions head coach would agree with you. He certainly likes to establish the run and and just run the ball like crazy. He's got Adrian Peterson, which is has to be his favorite player on the team because it represents the old school kind of football that Matt Patricia is absolutely obsessed with. So let me ask you a question, Ryan. Do you think there's any chance that the Lions actually do open the offense up against the Saints defense? You mean not take full advantage of former Saints legend Adrian Peterson? um i i see matthew stafford throwing the ball quite a bit this game actually i think if anything 
I'm being really optimistic right now that the coaching staff like is going to take what happened last week and they're going to try to um, implement it into their game plan. Like be malleable, be, you know, able to change, be willing to adapt. I hope. I hope I because, you know, <laughs> everything Maddie's laying out right now is that the Saints secondary, if it is as banged up as it, as it seems like it is, um, if it is as vulnerable because it lacks a pass rush, if Matthew Stafford has time to throw the ball, he makes really good decisions. It doesn't matter if you have good coverage or not. So I think where the Lions have run into problems recently, um, you know, going back to, you know, even last year when Stafford was healthy, when there was a pass rush, it was tough for Stafford to do things. Um, he is mobile. He can get out of the pocket. He can make throws on the run. But at the same time, he's just so much more comfortable operating in that pocket and hitting throws in rhythm and things like that. So I think if the Lions want to have success this week, they have to open up that playbook a little bit and they have to throw the ball. But like you, I don't think it'll happen. I was going to say, <laughs> you're adorable. You're adorable right now. I know. I'm so cute. <laughs> All right. With that, let's move to our last portion of the of the show, and that's our prediction. Um, Maddie, we like to do a thing called one thing we think we know. Um, so it doesn't necessarily have to be a score prediction. Doesn't necessarily be um, who wins the game. But if you want to give that, that's fine as well. But we like to predict one thing we were sure that's going to happen in this game. And to give you an example, last week I think I said. I was sure that DeAndre Swift was going to be a huge part of the offensive game plan, and he played a total of six snaps that game. So <laughs> I suck at this. Uh, so I'm going to make Ryan go first and hopefully come up with a better one this week. All right. So um, right now, and I'm the uh, resident uh, gambling expert for the website, so I'm always looking at spreads. I'm always looking at over and unders. And right now, the over and under is set at 54 and a half. Something about me in this game just wants me to smash the under. And I never like betting on the under because betting on the under is just like choosing to eat prunes. Like, <laughs> why? Why do that? That's not fun. Nobody enjoys that. And it's always just a really shitty ending. Um, <laughs> OK, I didn't even mean to do that. I really didn't. Um, OK, but here's the thing. I think it's going to be an under. I think it's going to be like a ball control game. I don't think yeah. that the offenses are really going to open it up in a way because I think that the Saints are. You know, even if they get Michael Thomas back, like it's not going to be this big aired out thing. It's going to be marching down the field like these efficient drives where it's like 10, 11, 12 plays. They gash the Lions defense all the way down the field. They score a touchdown and then it's OK, Detroit. Now you go you go try to score. And I think Detroit's going to try to do the same thing. But I think they're going to struggle with it a little bit. And I think maybe even the Saints might struggle with it a little bit if, you know, the Lions do get Trufant back and if they can not be the worst pass rushing team in the entire NFL. Um, but I, I just, with all that being said, I, I think that the game is going to be a lot slower paced. It's not going to be this aerial attack that I, you know, kind of thought last week would be. Fair enough. All right, Maddie, what's the one thing you think you know about Lion Saints week four? Uh, contingent on whether or not uh, someone from injury comes back. Uh, I think if Davenport plays, I think that we're finally going to be able to pressure the quarterback, and I say that the Saints will get three sacks this game. There you go. How many do they if have? If Davenport's back, if it Davenport's back. Uh, All right, they've had a, quite a few. Not really okay. last game, but. <clears throat> All right, you ready for this, Ryan? 
Um, I'm waiting for it. I'm on the edge of my chair, literally. <laughs> the one thing I think I know about Lions Saints is that DeAndre Swift will be a big part of the offense again. Such I'm going to do this every week. I'm going to do this every week now until it actually happens. <laughs> Listen, you can't think you, you can't think you know it into existence. No, I, I can and I will. Uh, <laughs> I, I really think they're, they're setting something up. You know, they, they, they showed last week that Adrian Peterson is their, their workhorse back, but they can't keep DeAndre Swift on the bench forever. They can't, they can't put that guy in the shelf. They, they drafted him. They, tra- they drafted him in what the third pick of the second round. This is a guy mm-hmm. they, they had big plans for, and I don't know if he's injured. I don't know if he was just a poor game plan against the Cardinals didn't fit into what they wanted to do, but I think they're going to try to do their own little Kamara impression this week and, uh, and, and utilize him against a, a linebacking <laughs> core that, that has been struggling. I don't think, I don't think he's going to be Kamara. I mean, I would love for him to have 150 yards and 70 rushing, but I think, I think he's going to be more a part of the passing plan this week. Um, maybe, maybe the saints are expecting the Lions to utilize TJ Hawkinson. They're like, you know what? He's a decoy this week. Let's flip out DeAndre Swift behind him and, and see if there's anyone over there. Big brain him. Yay. all right right, let's wrap up first bite here uh maddie why don't you tell the people where they can find you what sort of things they can expect expect over at canal street chronicles uh that sort of thing we went over my twitter before uh you can find me at canal street chronicles i do also uh just do like profootballmania.com i do a little bit of nfl analysis there um if you're looking for um some cynical uh, dry humor about the woes of the saints. Uh, that's where you can find it in my uh, nice little uh, summaries of the putrid gameplay of the last few weeks. <laughs> Again, that's <laughs> at Maddie Hudak. That's M-A-D-D-Y-H-U-D-A-K underscore 94 on Twitter. All right. And with that, we will say goodbye. Thank you for joining us, everybody. Uh, again, you can join us for our post-game show after the game right here on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit. But until then, it's chaos. Be kind, everybody. From data privacy to the future of TV, retail media, and beyond, the world of digital marketing is constantly in flux. So how can you keep up? Well, The Current Report is there for you. Each week, marketing leaders on the cutting edge give you the latest insight. So if it's creating a buzz, they'll be talking about it. Subscribe to The Current Report wherever you get your podcasts. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. 
Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.